0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.
1: Welcome to the Chatters Box Podcast. My name is Kyle McClellan, your host. And uh, today we are coming to you from remote. We are doing a video interview with former Cardinal Scott Spezio, and uh, he has got such a dynamic story uh, of his baseball career and then post-baseball career, what he's been going through the last 12, 15 years. Um, I got to know Scott over uh, through Cardinals Fantasy Camp and uh, and got to know his story, and it's just been remarkable and how outspoken he is and how willing he is to want to help people That have been in his same situation. So, if you haven't heard of Scott's story and what he's been through, um, it is absolutely amazing. And I am thrilled to uh, welcome Scott Spezio to the Chatters Box podcast. Scott, thanks for stepping into the Chatters Box. And uh, I'm excited to talk about all things baseball, what you've been doing and going through the last uh, 10 and 12 years that you've been very outspoken about and uh, appreciate you coming on to the show here um, so that we can have uh, have a discussion about it and uh, and kind of catch people up, Cardinals fans, on what you've been up to.
2: Hey, Kyle. Th- thanks for having me. I look forward to talking. You know, I I, I love sharing my story, you know, I, and it's and it's mostly because I, I want to help people and give them hope. So yep. hopefully we can do that today. Yeah, and that's been the thing I've been most impressed about, you know,
1: knowing you for a couple of years. Uh, you probably don't know it, but we were actually very quickly teammates in 2008 – was my first major league spring training. Uh, I think you were in camp for a day and then you were not <laughs> in camp anymore after that. Um, and so we yeah. crossed paths very, very quickly, um, but then reconnected through Cardinals fantasy camp. And uh, you were a part of that a couple years ago. And uh, we just hit it off and just, you know, love your story. Um, obviously, as a kid growing up in St. Louis, uh, watching you, I was in the minor leagues at the time, but watching you be a part of that 06 team, knowing your history. Uh, through Anaheim and, and your time over there. Uh, and then you came to, to my charity event last year, uh, came in town just for that to, to help represent our organization and spend time with our our guests there, which was great, and then back at Fantasy Camp. So um, it, it's great to, you know, we were never actually teammates, teammates, um, but that's what I love about the Cardinals alumni and those Fantasy wow. Camps is uh, I've gotten to connect with a different generation of Cardinal fans. And I think your story is so dynamic, um, that I think, you know, it's just, I think a lot of people remember you here with, with the red, uh, you know, soul patch and, and everything there and your time with the Cardinals. Um, but I think it's important for people to hear what you're doing now. So let's, let's jump in. I want to start. I don't think a lot of people probably know your connection to the Cardinals when you were a kid. Uh, you live close by your dad had a unique connection to the Cardinals. Why don't you talk a little bit about that first?
2: Yeah, so uh and thank you for that intro. I, I really appreciate it and and I love what what you do uh off the field with your charity and and everything you do for the Cardinals and the community. So kudos to you for that. That's awesome. I, I and, and about 2008, I was there for a little bit longer in the day. Um <laughs> and I was hoping to stay, but uh it, it didn't happen. Uh Freeze told me too. He's like you know, we used to take ground balls together in spring training. I'm like, we did? He's like, yeah, you and Gloss. And so uh, it's cool to reconnect. The Cardinals do such a great job uh, with their alumni. And no matter if you played for a day, a year, or, or 20 years for them, they treat you the same. And that, that's a really cool thing uh, for yep. an organization to do. Um, and, and that goes all the way back to, to my childhood. Uh, my dad, played uh, Ed Spezio, Played uh, with the Cardinals from 1964 through 1968. Pretty good time to be playing for the Cardinals. Uh, he, uh, he actually was drafted. Well, they were- there was no draft. He was a free agent signee um, in 1963. By 1964, uh, July, I think, they called him up. Um, and he finished the season with them in, in July. Uh, that year, he was like four for 12. So he didn't get too many at-bats. They had too good of a team. Uh, but he was on the on the uh, Cardinals roster and in the dugout uh, for the World Series against the Yankees and uh, you know I, I just couldn't imagine you know being in baseball professional baseball for a year and then you know facing a, you're, you're on one of the greatest teams of all time and then you're facing another one of the greatest teams of all time in the World Series and so they of course won it in 64 uh, 67 and then 68 um, they ended up losing and and I heard a lot about, uh, um, you know, Kurt, like Lou Brock, not sliding at home plate in game five. And then Kurt Flood slipping in game seven. And then fast forward to 2006, we're playing Detroit and Curtis Granderson slips. So another Kurt slips in center field and the ball goes over his head and it hits his glove, goes over his head, X Eckstein gets the the hit and the RBIs and we end up winning it. Uh, so it, it was all for full circle, but um, When I was young, you know, the Cardinals are so great about bringing back championship teams um, that it seemed like I was down there, you know, every other year. Um, and, and it was, it was really cool for me. I just remember the excitement of coming into St. Louis, you know, coming around the corner. Cause we're about four hours away, th- three hours and 45 minutes, something like that. Um, and I remember coming around the corner and seeing the arch and, and when we were still in Illinois and just the excitement of it, and then, you know, going to Bush stadium and, and seeing guys like Lou Brock and Bob Gibson, and Stan Musial and Bob Uecker and Tim McCarver. And just the, you know, the list goes on and on Orlando Cepeda, Bobby Tolan. Um, and, and then of course, you know, the current team. So Ozzie Smith, you know, Pendleton, her, you know, all the tutor, all those guys. Um, it was just such a, A treat for a kid to be able to do that. I do remember uh, one of my favorite things was all the candy in the clubhouse. (laughs) I was like, Oh, look at all this pop and and candy in the clubhouse. I I love it. And uh, so I, you know, growing up, it was, it was just incredible, you know, having, having guys like, you know, Bob Gibson and and Lou Brock uh, tell me about work ethic and saying, you're not, you're not competing against the guys from your hometown or even from Illinois, you're competing against the guys from Dominican Republic and Cuba and Puerto Rico and, and Venezuela and so on and so forth. And uh, and they, they said, it's easy to get to the big leagues. It's hard to stay there because once you're there, everybody wants your job and, and so you better outwork them. And that just stayed with me my whole life. And uh, that's what I, every time I'd, I'd look on my headboard and see my goals, I'd say, what did I do today that got me closer to those goals? And I'd say, man, I better, if I didn't do anything, I better work doubly hard tomorrow. Cause the kids down there are, are really working hard. Yeah, no doubt. Is, uh,
1: did your dad ever have any stories about Gibby or Lou or any of those, you know, Cardinal greats? I mean, he got to play with them for several years. I mean, surely there's some, some great stories about
2: that generation. Ah, shoot. I mean, he's, he, he'll say stuff all the time. Like I'll say, Hey, did this happen or something? Um, there was a, a movie recently called After Jackie, um, which was about the, the 60s. And he, you know, he said he told me a great story about uh, the owner buying a hotel because yeah. it was, you know, it was I- illegal um, for them to stay at the same hotel. And, you know, Bob Gibson thought they were, you know, joking about it. And uh, he said when that happened, they they all used to get together by the pool and all the wives loved each other. And he said it. It just made. That's probably why they won. You know, they they came together as a team and and as friends uh, on and off the field. And uh, he said it was it was just it was like watching an all star team. You know, he he didn't get to play that much over the course. But uh, I was just I was just flipping through some pictures and I and I saw an article in Sports Illustrated about my dad in nineteen six April sixty five, and the article is. Uh, ed spezio or, or won't you please please pop up ed spezio and and it, it was about my dad um doing so well and they wanted to send him down to triple uh, a but he was doing he was hitting five something in spring training so they they didn't send him down um so he even though it probably would have been better for him development developmentally wise um you know, he got to watch one of the best teams uh, ever put together, uh, you know, in that, in that short amount of time. And so, yeah, he's got, he's got some good stories, you know, uh, he, he remembers, he tell he talks a lot about like Stupeda in him, um, like going to jazz, um, finding jazz records in different towns. And um, he was talking about McCarver and, and I think Bryles um, were musicians and singers and, so the, the, a lot of them like uh, music and stuff like that. And uh, and, th- and then the other thing, he's like, you know, here I came up and, and all I knew how to play was third base. And, and who's at third base but Ken Boyer, the, <laughs> the MVP of the National League. <laughs> so that, that's that's one of the reasons I learned how to play every position except for catcher. And, uh, and also he's like, you're not going to get platooned. I'm going to make you a switch hitter. So I think that kind of, you know – influence him but also influence you know my future too
1: yeah no doubt so that story about the hotel is I've heard it told um Ted Savage has told and I've heard it from a couple different people and it's a remarkable story of when in spring training the team bus pulled up and the hotel came out and said the the players of color cannot stay here they have to stay somewhere else and the owner I, I believe it was Gussie Bush um said what do you mean and he said, they can't yeah. stay here. And he told the team, he said, go to the field. I'll take care of it. And when they came back, he handed them their room keys. And they yeah. were like, well, what happened? And he said, I bought the hotel. You can stay here now. <laughs> and, I mean, it is just so remarkable to hear. And, and to know, like, that wasn't that long ago, you know, what those yeah. players went through in the 60s and what your dad witnessed those players go through. Um, Ted Savage, who unfortunately, you know, just recently passed away, um had just some incredible incredible stories about that generation and what you know Gibby and Lou and and all those players had to go through which um is mind-blowing I mean we know how hard it is to play at the big league level and imagine trying to deal with those other uh, things that that go with it um makes you have even so much more respect for for that group and and uh and what they were going through and and the you know the the stage they were setting for those to come after them to have yep. an easier path is, is, is remarkable. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it's a, it's a, an incredible story. Um, so let's transition into your time. You obviously having a dad that played in the big leagues is, is, is nice. Like you said, he kind of prepared you by being a switch hitter and kind of prepared you for some of those things. So uh, early in your career, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you made your name for yourself in the world series in Anaheim, um, kind of fast forward through your career a little bit into, until you get to that point uh, where you're on the big stage and, and came through in the biggest moment.
2: Yeah, so uh, real quick, I played at University of Illinois um, for three years. Uh, I'm a Mizzou track- guy,
1: man. I don't like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I still got the home run record at University of Illinois, and hopefully with the BB Corvats now, you know, nobody right. will touch it. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I signed in the sixth round with the Oakland A's, um, in 1993, um, was in the minor leagues for about three, three plus years. And then uh, up to the big leagues, you know, playing with the Maguire and Giambi and Kitseko and Ricky Henderson and, uh, you know, Terry Steinbach. So it was it was quite a eye opening experience, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least, uh, when I got to the big leagues and uh, played there. You know, the the whole money ball thing. Uh, they didn't they didn't want to pay me when I hit arbitration. I was a super two guy, barely. Um, and, uh, I became a free agent and, and the two teams, there was three teams basically came down to the Henson Tigers, uh, the Chicago Cubs, which is only an hour from me or the Anaheim angels. And, uh, it's it's weird because I didn't know which one to pick. And, uh, and then I said, I want to stay in the United States. And then I went to get a drink of water and there was an angel cup in there. And I'm like, where'd this angel cups come from? And I'm like, that's gotta be a sign. So uh, I ended up signing with the angels. Good thing. Cause I ended up, you know, pretty much playing uh, the first year. I didn't play every day, but I played a lot um, and contributed quite a bit and uh, really fit in with a, a great bunch of guys there. And uh, we ended up winning, you know, the winning the world series in 2002. And, you know, it was, it was really cool because, you know, Joe Madden was our bench coach and, and we had Mickey Hatcher, and of course Mike Sosha. Bud Black was our pitching coach. So we, Ron Raneke was our third base coach. You know, four of those guys ended up being managers. Um, and so we had a really great, you know, great bunch of guys, great coaching staff, and uh, you know, Sosa just let us play. You know, and it was fantastic, and uh, you know, the 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 World Series he 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 said, I want everybody to bring their families and everything. I ended up having 48 tickets a game, <laughs> um, which cost me a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. But I was, I was bringing my high school coaches, my, you know, high school assistant coach, you know, um, uh, friends, everybody, uh, my band, I had a band at the time. And, uh, so I, I had everybody, I had buses, I had flights up to San Francisco hotel rooms. Um, but it was worth it, you know, uh, to share with them and, and, you know, you, you talk about, um, you know, the reason I had such a, a, you know, a good career in the playoffs was because my dad, uh, he he made me um, work the mental game from the time I was probably 10, 11 years old, you know, visualizing myself in those situations. And then at the end of every practice, we, you know, we do the whole, hey, it's 3-2 two count, two outs, bases loaded, down one, bottom of nine, game seven of the World Series, what are you going to do? And, you know, I even have videotapes of that with my mom going, you know, in the background, do it for the ring, Scott, you know? (laughs) and Yeah. And so, you know, during the playoffs, I felt like I didn't feel nervous at all. And and I felt like I'd already been there a million times. And uh, so when I, you know, when I had, I think I had 16 RBIs going into game six and ended up um, uh, uh, hitting the three-run homer, Um, when, when the ball, it was a dramatic home run. It was very high and barely got out. But in Reggie Sanders, you know, another ex Cardinal ran, hit the wall and it went over his head. And, and at that moment I heard the whole crowd and, and it was like, you know, I had blocked all that out and then I heard the crowd and it, I felt like I was five feet off the ground running around the bases. And like all these memories of me and my dad and mom and sisters in the backyard, you know, came flooding back in, and and then, uh, of course, we won Game Seven, and and then to have you know them all in the clubhouse with me, and you know my dad holding the World Series trophy with me—it was just one of those magical moments. Um, and then, uh, fast, fast forward, um, the next year, I had a good year. Um, I thought they were going to sign me to a new year, uh, long-term deal, but they had other plans, and so I ended up going to Seattle. Um, in Seattle um with two so i signed a three-year deal with seattle and and uh, what two weeks ago in spring training um i ended up uh running into the mound on a pop fly in a freak accident i blew out my thoracic t6 and t7 discs, and uh i i tried to play but then i i i remember i tried to hit a ground ball i hit a ground ball and tried to run and i just collapsed and the doctors were all saying you know you're probably not going to play again. If you try to play, you're not going to walk again. And, and, uh, and then it, that's when I kind of, and we could we'll probably, I'm guessing we'll probably get into that later, but that's kind of when things started to go downhill a little bit. Um, cause now I wasn't playing and, um, and I was trying to play hurt and things like that. And so I ended up, you know, eventually, Finding a doctor that said, "Well, I think you can still play as long as you can put up with the pain," which is the wrong thing to say to me. Right. Um, and so I tried to play. I ended up, you know, I think I had I hit two fifteen with ten home runs and fifty something RBIs, which in today's game would be, you know, that gave you about twenty million. <laughs> but uh, back then it wasn't too good. And uh, so the next year, um, um, you know, I, I ended up not playing um, that much, uh, they brought in Richie Saxon and Adrian Beltran, two incredible players at, at my two main positions. And so, um, I struggled through that year only like, boy, I want to say 40, 40 something at bats at most. And, and then they released me and, and I thought my career was over. And, uh, and I was, uh, you know, I'd always prayed for 10 years in the big leagues and, and, uh, I always say I should have prayed for 20, but uh I didn't I wasn't there yet. And and then uh I was sitting upstairs uh in my place and, and uh I heard this bang bang bang. It was probably it would have been February, I'm guessing first or second week of February. It was pretty close to spring training starts and I hadn't got any calls. And uh I hear a bang on my windows and I look out and there's a cardinal keeps running into my window. He's he's just banging like I'd come downstairs, he'd bang in the downstairs window. I'm like, that is weird. And then, I don't know, maybe an hour later, my agent calls and says the Cardinals, uh, you know, first I had the cup, the angel cup. Now i got the Cardinal banging on my window. And he said, the Cardinals want to invite you down to spring training. And I'm like, no way. And so I just got this huge burst of excitement and, and energy. And I was kind of down before that. And the first thing I did was go, get my hair cut and dye uh, my soul patch red. And then I told my agent and he's like, Oh, don't do that. St. Louis is conservative. And I said, no, trust (laughs) me. It's my war paint. I'm going to do it every day, you know, and they'll love it. And I sure enough, they, they loved it. And it, it, and, you know, I think it's some excitement to the team. I got down to spring training and uh, and I thought I'd be like, you know, number 89 or something. And I look at my locker and it's number 26, which was my dad's number and i about lost it and and uh and i'm like man 2006 you know new bush is opening i got 26 we're winning this thing and uh you know i worked really hard that year and and, uh um and and had a really good year and and felt like i contributed at many different positions and stuff and and it was just a incredible year and then uh we of course we win it um you know, just everybody on the team contributed. We had guys stepping up, Wainwright. You know, uh, shoot, Kenny. I mean, just so many guys out of nowhere just stepping up and being huge for us. And and uh, you know, it was just a magical season. Um, and then 2007, um, you know, opening day was uh, incredible because uh, you know, with with things, I ended up getting divorced and stuff, and and. Uh, with the stuff back in Seattle and, um, and my dad and I didn't talk as much as we should. And, uh, you know, he he kind of up there like, Hey man, you're making bad decisions. If you're going to keep making bad decisions, we, we can't watch you do it, you know? And, uh, so, you know, he kind of put his foot down and the Cardos called him up. I didn't know it and invited him to come give me the ring. And, uh, so I was about ready to come out of the dugout and, uh, and they're like, and we got a guest present, you know, uh, presenter for for the next ring, and for the first time in in Major League history, uh, a father son. And I turn around, and my dad's right behind me with his old 26 jersey on, and I start crying, and um, you know, and then they you know say the first time in Major League history, it's, you know, a father son is one with the same organization and won two World Series apiece, and. And uh, he went out there and it was such a class act by the Cardinals. And uh, boy, when I went out there, I, I think that there's probably about 47,000 people crying with me because it, uh, it was a special moment and, uh, you know, something I never forget. I, I have that picture. Of, it's kind of a collage of all the pictures that the photographers took that day. And, and I have it. I, I see it every day when I go out to do lessons. And it's, uh, it's so amazing um but then you know that that's the year where i really started k- kind of getting into some dark you know i, I started abusing um drugs uh, cocaine um and and alcohol i had already started abusing alcohol after my injury and then that led to the you know eventually l- led into poor decision making and and uh you know then i it was just like once i made one bad decision it kept spiraling until i, I I didn't even know who I was anymore. And that was about it. And then you saw me in 2008, you know, Um, (laughs) I wasn't fixed yet.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews
0: or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you wanna pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates, Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Part of your story is it kind of slowly started when you were playing, you know, it seemed like, you know, from from hearing your story in the past, you know, very straight laced, uh, not involved in anything like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, one thing happened and you were still playing, still trying to put up with it. And and at the end, you were, you were still playing, but dealing with it. Um, mm-hmm in a major way, but it, it ended up st- still continuing to compound even, even post career for a long time.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, it, after I, you know, I got hurt in Seattle, um, you know, I would, like you said, I was a straight, you know, I'm from a real small town. Um, and when I tell my story, I, you know, I say that, you know, I thought people that had, you know, depression or addiction or used, uh, or abused drugs and alcohol in any way, um, we're weak people, you know. I thought that, you know, uh, anxiety was made up, um, and so, um, you know, I, I, I was the guy that would go out and talk to the schools. From the time I was in high school, I'd go to grade schools and talk about, you know, the, the Dare program and talk about, you know, drug and alcohol awareness and um, and you know, staying, you know, show me your fr- friends, I'll show you your future, that kind of stuff, and you know, really try to set your goals and stay, you know, put the blinders on and, and don't let other people interfere with that or, or, you know, drugs and alcohol. And I did that all the way through college in the minor leagues and, and uh, in the major leagues, I I had a dare card that was made at uh, about me and uh, with me on it in, uh, in Anaheim. Um, You know, I, I remember dare days, I'd be kind of the spokesman and stuff. And so I, I, you know, it, for me to end up getting, uh, into addiction just showed me that it can happen to anybody. And, and then, you know, the, the whole, uh, depression and anxiety, like all that stuff hit me and, you know, it was just like, it was unbelievable. I, I thought, man, I have overcome everything. How can I not overcome that? But yeah, so, uh, 2000, um, uh, 2005 is when I started drink drinking a lot, um, probably the most 2005 because now I wasn't playing. Right. And, uh, and then uh, 2006, I curbed it down a little bit. Um, I still drank, you know, um, but you know, nothing too crazy. Um, I did uh, dabble with a a little bit of cocaine towards the end of August of that year, but nothing too big. Um, But still like, I think, you know, I I think that that might've led to me starting to get more addicted to it where, you know, it was kind of a, a off and on use thing, you know, for a little bit. Um, but I still, you know, after the season, then it was kind of, I just went like, Oh, let's celebrate now. And, and, uh, it, 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 it blows my mind to, to think of my decisions back then. But, you know, I think by that time the alcohol was starting to make me, you know, not be myself. And, um, and, you know, then, you know, 2007, it became, um, you know, it started becoming an almost an everyday thing. And then, you know, Han- Hancock passed away. And then, you know, I kind of used that as a crutch, to, you know, because that, I think that affected all of us quite a bit. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then I started using that as, you know, because when you're using alcohol, it can, it can create depression, you know? and you know same with drugs it can create anxiety and all this stuff and paranoia and and then you you use more thinking that it's going to help you and it just it just makes everything worse and you know i was so new to this stuff i didn't know what was going on so i kept trying to i didn't really want to tell anybody cuz i was afraid i'd lose my job and i was afraid you know what people would think of me you know and uh so i just kept trying to balance it all the time you know one's an upper one's a downer and and it was—it became basically uh, hell on earth, and it was uh, constant battling, and you know, me trying to get sleep, and then me trying to get up, and um, and then eventually there was—I was hardly getting any sleep, uh, and I was still playing at a pretty high level, mm-hmm. um, which was—I I still don't know how that happened, um, but it, it was absolutely horrible. And then finally, um, you know, after the All Star break, I can't remember if it was July. Uh, or somewhere, somewhere around then, you know, um, you know, my teammates were noticing. I thought I was hiding it. They, 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 know, they right. all knew right. um, you, Not know, a whole lot but, you
1: can hide in a locker room.
2: <laughs> no. And, and, uh, and, you know, people were, you know, they'd kind of say things, Hey man, you know, what's going on. I remember Preston Wilson being like, man, I think you've got a, a problem, man. You know, like you shouldn't be. Cause I was, I was like grabbing a vodka before the game just to try to settle myself down. And he's like, it was like you got you got some serious issues and at the time i was like man come on like you know give me a break and since then i've i've seen him and i've told him man like that really it hit me like that, that you cared that much about me um jimmy Edmonds, troy percival they tried you know they really tried um helping me a bit you know walt jockity and tony were on my side trying to help me and uh you know i went, i ended up going to rehab um that year and um it was, it was at, uh, center point, I think in, in St. Char, like St. Charles, I think. And, uh, it probably wasn't the best choice because it was outpatient and everybody knew who I was. So yeah. I wasn't gonna, you know, I tried to use an alias at first and then like two days later I went out to lunch with this kid and he goes, you know, everybody knows who you are, right? And I go, <laughs> I, I figured so. And so I, you know, I really didn't, um, you've got to open up when you're, when you're facing addiction, because you're, you know, you're trying to hide stuff. And and part of it's getting all this junk out of you, you know? And, uh, and so I, I went, I held everything in, I came back. Um, I thought as long as I didn't use drugs, I was fine. I kept drinking. Um, I was in the lineup the first day. I think I got one for three off some (laughs) Brano, which was pretty good at the time. And uh, so I thought, okay, we're all good. You know, um, but it 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 wasn't gone, you know. I didn't do the work that I needed to do, and and uh, and it, and you know, I, during the off season, I ended up thinking I was better and everything was fine. And then I got into a wreck in California, um, you know, talked to the Cardinals about it um, with my agent and went to rehab, and uh, and I, I was doing pretty good. I I felt like you know I could, I could you know. I think that I could beat this thing, you know, uh, cause I hadn't used that long. And then, uh, and then, you know, the, the, the there was a rest warrants that came out during spring training and, and I had to- been telling the guys during stretch, man, hopefully because of that wreck, they never did um, catch up to me cause I ran from the scene. Um, you know, it was luckily it was just me and a, a fence, but you know, that's another thing. There's, I could have killed people and, and, yeah. and like that. And so, in the long haul i'm very very lucky i or i could have died myself you nowadays. know especially nowadays with this fentanyl um it's it's like playing russian roulette um but anyway um the cardinals you know thought and we you know we've had a lot of uh, distractions and and uh you know i think it was probably the best you know at the time it hurt um i thought that i you know i thought that they kind of gave up on me because you know i, I thought man you know, I went and I really did it this time and I really meant it. And, uh, but overall, I don't think I was quite ready yet. And, um, um, just even if I came back, I think I would have ended up probably being a distraction again. And so I think for a team and an organization, it was the best, it was the best decision. you know, I, I hate that I even put him in that spot to tell you the truth. But, um, at that point, you know, I really should have just said, Hey man, I got to go take care of myself and then come back. But instead I tried to go with the Atlanta Braves and in um, within a, a few short weeks, I was doing well. And, and I already had a house in Atlanta, but within a few short re- uh, weeks I was off the rail again uh, because I was upset. You know, and I was upset that I wasn't with the Cardinals, um, you know, so close to home and my kids. And so I used that as a crutch and, and then, boy, like you said, it was it was a battle for a good, you know, boys. So that was uh, so that was 2008. I finally fit, I finally quit drinking in uh, April uh, April April 5th at like 5:30 at night, 2018. So 10 years after that, I went to another 10 rehabs and uh, just kept battling. You know, I knew I knew that uh, it wasn't easy. Some people can go to rehab once and be you know, get through it and never drink again or never use again. For me, I would, I would get short uh, periods of, you know, nine months or six months or a year. Um, but it was really hard for me um, to, to get past the first step in AA, which, you know, is, is saying that my life has become unmanage- unmanageable and I'm powerless over alcohol because, um, or drugs because, um, I, I never felt that I was powerless over anything. And, and so, you know, as a baseball player, we've got to have extreme confidence. And I always thought I was different than everybody else. And, um, that if you put an obstacle in front of me, I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody else. And so it took me a while to figure that out. And, uh, you know, me being a Christian, um, the biggest thing was me letting God take, take the wheel and steer and, and, uh, I'd I'd always pray to him and saying, "Hey, God, help me out, get me out of this jam, you know, or or I promise I'll never do it again. Get me through this game. I'll never do it again." Um, but I'd always, after I'd get through it, I'd I'd say, "Okay, I got it now. You know, you can you can let me have the wheel again." And then. After a little bit, boom! I'd t- I'd steer it right off the cliff, <laughs> and, and I I like to do. I guess I'm a, a four wheeling guy. I don't know. <laughs> I did a lot of off roading, that's for sure. You know, I like I like to call the detour, uh, but it was it was uh, hell on earth for sure. And uh, you know, but through through God's grace and and letting Him drive, you know, I'm I'm here to sh- still share my story and give other people hope that you can do it because. I felt like I was in the depths of despair and, you know, I wasn't worth anything and nobody liked me and my kids were better off without me and just crazy stuff that, you know, the devil will t- shoot at you to, to try to make you give up, you know, and, and uh, you know, just prayer works for me and everybody around me praying. And, and finally I, basically I came up with this thing. It's picking up sticks. You know, I I live in the country. There's a bunch of uh, trees on my property and to mow the grass, you got to pick up the fallen sticks. And it hadn't been mowed in a while. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go outside today and I'm going to start picking up sticks. And so I picked up a few and, uh, and then the next day I picked up, you know, a bunch more, and then I had a wheelbarrow full. And then I started trimming the trees, you know, so you could get under them. And, and before you know it, I'm I'm out there and I'm like, all right, we we're making some progress, we're making some forward steps, and and uh, and then I just started getting more and more strength and surrounding myself with great people and um, you know and my family started seeing the difference and my kids started seeing the difference and and then you know it I mean really it's a true miracle you know I I had I had gotten sick you know I I turned yellow with jaundice because my liver. Uh, they thought I might have to have a uh, 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 transplant, and uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they gave me a twenty percent chance to live uh, live at one point. And uh, you know, before you know it, the doctors are saying you're you're you look great. I don't. You better thank the guy upstairs because um, we haven't seen anybody turn around like that. And and uh, and then you know, my kids and and my dads and my true friends relationships started getting closer and closer and and then uh and then i started getting involved in in baseball and teaching kids and and really and really learned about what's what's the important the most significant thing in life and that's investing in other people and when i started doing that that's when i really found the joy again is uh investing in others you know and I, i love it it's it's awesome
1: I'm glad you brought your your kids and your dad up because I, that's one of those parts I think is so cool. Um, I know it wasn't cool for a while and probably not yeah. easy to talk about um, yeah. the relationship and where it was, but the fact of where it is now, um, yeah. I think that is a credit to how far you've come and how those closest to you have truly seen that change and have come back into your life. If you don't mind speaking just a little bit about kind of where that was and where it is now, because I, you know, I know you and your dad did a signing together a couple of years ago yeah. and um, you know, me as a father, you know to having two kids and and me and my dad are really close. I talk to my dad almost every day um I know how important that you know sitting where you are right now how how important that's gotta be to have that back
2: oh it's it's unreal um I thought that I'd lost everything I thought you know that I'd never get that back you know I should just move to California and just get away from everything and you know uh or just isolate you know and not talk to anybody but um, I remember, I remember the specific thing that happened to me when I was with the angels. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the, what I said to myself in this situation ended up kind of being my rally call to get better and to, to mend those relationships. And we were playing, it was the first game against the Yankees. Nobody on the angels had ever been in the playoffs before. And, uh, we we're in a hotel and, and, uh, I think it was grand Hyatt and, you know, of course we're playing an all-star team and uh l- late in the game we're up and the ball's hit to me Jason Giambi hits the ball to me and uh, I go to try to get it for at first base and, and I'm trying to make a really good play usually I have it it hit off my glove kicked out in the right field uh, they gave it a hit but I usually have it um and then Soriano hit a home run and we ended up losing now we're down one and one game to nothing I go back to the hotel um I'd always put uh uh, do not disturb on my phone in New York because you know they'll call you like crazy. <laughs> and uh, so I I uh, go back to my room. There's a message. I pick it up and there's this New York fan like you stink, you blah blah blah. You know you blew it. All this stuff and, and it was like a two minute long message. And I sat on the bed like oh man, like he's right, man. We we're down one to nothing to the Yankees. Like this is a five game series. I blew it for us, you know. And then I said. Man, wait a second! I we still got four more games. You know, uh, I still got a pen, and as long as I got a breath, I got a pen to write a great ending. And the next at bat, I was against uh, Andy Pettit uh, the next day, and I hit a home run, and we ended up beating them. And then we ended up sweeping them uh, the next three games. And I went on to you know have nineteen RBIs, and t- you know which was the record until David Freeze broke it. Which is fine. I, you know, as I'm long glad he did. Part, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, so glad he too. did. <laughs> um, and I remember watching his game six home run. Uh, uh, and I said, Oh, there it is. He tied it. He's going to break it tomorrow. And he did. And <laughs> it, was, it, was exci- it was just as exciting to see that as it was to be involved in two World Series wins. But that whole thing with, you know, as long as you've got a breath, you still got a pen to write a great story just kind of kept with me. And, and I'm like, I'm still alive. Thank God. Thank you, God. I'm still alive. Help me get out of this help me get out of it you know and uh and I use that with with my relationships with my kids um and you know shoot um uh, just the other day we had uh, a minor leaguer um come up and I called my dad and I said hey um you know his his sister and his dad reached out and said that he's struggling with uh you know Adderall and and alcohol and uh you know he was released and he's really struggling and, and uh so we sat down with him for, you know, for a couple hours, maybe three, three hours. And I actually brought a friend over who just lost his son, who was a month. Um, his son was a month younger than this kid. And uh, he talked to him about it, you know, and and like from where we were, where we were, you know, he was so upset with me that he, you know, he never slammed the door on me. He just said, Hey, when you, when you're ready, come back. It was like the story of the prodigal son, you know? Like, we're here for you. You stop making bad decisions, we'll help you in any way we can. And, you know, and I, and I felt, you know, I felt like, well, you know, like when I was in using, I wasn't thinking right. And I'm like, wait a second, he should accept me for who I am. But he he couldn't, like, he couldn't sit and watch his son waste away. And, you know, and the same thing with my kids, you know, they, they like to be with me, but most of the time I was with them, I wasn't all there, you know, I was, even if i was sober i was still tired or hungover um and it was it was just awful place for me to put him in um and and you know like uh, you know and and then because of the alcohol i end up you know got divorced so then i wasn't with them a lot of the times you know not even in the same town you know fortunately when i was with the cardinals i was only you know 4 hours away so i could come in and get them, you know we usually meet halfway but still um I wasn't the same person. And so, you know, my youngest daughter, she never even really knew her real dad until, you know, 2018 and same really the same with my middle son. And, uh, you know, like I was talking to to my dad and I, I told him a story. I, I said, I don't know if you remember this, but, um, you came in and you, 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 and I was like, you know, out of it. And you said, Scott, I know that God's got a, a great plan for you. You know, I, and it, it chokes me up to think about it, but, He's like, God's got a lot in store for you. Like, don't give up. Like he's, he, he told me he's got, like, he's got big plans for you. You're going to, you're going to do some, some great things for people. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I just start balling and, and then to, you know, uh, uh last April, uh, uh, um so part of the thing I do is every year I get, uh, coins for, for my sober date, and uh, I had the four-year coins, and I give them to all my kids, and on the three-year, my son came to my church men's group and gave it to me, and, uh, you know, there was a cake, and everybody celebrated, and then last year, my, my parents, um, uh, Tanya, uh, who's, who's been a, just an incredible person in my life, helped me, helped me to get sober, Tanya Boyer, uh, she was a gift from God. Um, she she does this and she gave the coin to my parents because I always get one for myself and display it in in the cage um, so kids can see it and parents can see it because I don't hide you know what yeah. w- my past at all or run from it uh, and uh, you know they presented it to me and it's just one of those moments that's just incredible and just the other day, you know, um, I told my son, I said, you know like and I, I told him before, but I said, you know, I am so sorry for like, um not being there not being there on time or not being at your games and you know and he goes you know for a long time I thought it was like my fault or I was doing something or I needed to I should I was responsible for getting you better and I said that is not true at all like you did nothing wrong you are you, you it's I'm blessed to have you in my life and and uh, we, we we got up and we're we crying and hugging and he's like I'm so I'm so grateful that you're in my life I'm so blessed and I said so uh, Cody I'm so so proud of you and and the person you've become and um just special moments like that you know um are just incredible and uh, you know and then and then to you know to work with people that are suffering um you know people will come to me and say my son I get. You know, probably probably a good ten to twelve a week, where somebody will reach out and say, "Hey, will you will you call my my brother-in-law, or will you call my my son, or will you you know would you meet?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let's do it." You know, and um, you know it's it's not everybody makes it the first time, but there are a lot of people that that I've worked with that um, you know through through God is is uh, has has become sober and hopefully maintains a sobriety. Um, and and so yeah it's it's been incredible um with the family and and of course i I'm blessed with the, just an amazing family and and kids and um and 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 now we we're all on the same page which is is so awesome
1: yeah that man that is that to me is the coolest part of the story of you know imagine seven years ago thinking that yeah. uh that that you'd be in the spot you are today and uh, to stay with it and stay persistent and 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 to never give up is i mean i I just think it's a story that everybody, everybody should hear. So, so fill people in now, like you've been crushing it the last four years. I mean, obviously it's a daily battle, right? I mean, it's something you can never um, give up on or slip up on or, or kind of let your guard down. But what, what is your, I know you're doing some lessons and stuff and you're, you're kind of mentoring people, but I mean, where are you at today? What, where do you think the next, you know, five or 10 years, what, where do you see Scott
2: Spezio at? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. I I mean, currently I don't, um, I don't really know exactly where I'll be in five to 10 years. Um, that's something I've tried to give up to God and say, Hey, where do you want me to be? You yeah. know, um, it would be easy for me to, you know, call the, call the Cardinals or the angels or somebody and and say, Hey, can you find me a spot? And, you know, for a coach in the minor leagues, try to work my way up. But I don't think that's where he's calling me, at least not yet. Um, I, I, I I'm really lucky to be in, in, in the area I'm at, you know, the Midwest is there's great people. I mean, there's great people everywhere, but the my hometown people and the Midwest people are, are just such great people. And, you know, I, I really want to try to make an impact in this area, you know, St. Louis area, my hometown. Um, and so, so over the last, um, you know, like you said, it is, it is an everyday battle. Um, Fortunately for me, I prayed that God took away my cravings and I've had no, no cravings since, since April 6th of 2018, not one, um, which is incredible, but I know serving others is part of how you, and, and working with uh, alcoholics and addicts is how you stay sober. And cause you see what they're going through and you say, man, I never want to get back there, you know? Yeah. And, and with my visualization um, in for baseball, I visualized the times that, you know, the wreck, the times where I got the call from St. Louis saying, you're, you're, you know, you're uh, you're released, Um, you know, seeing the, the looks of my kids faces, you know, for a long time, my, my one son called me Scott. He didn't even want to call me dad, you know, because I wasn't a dad, you know, he was more, he was more of an adult than me, you know, at 10 years old. And, and so, um, it is an everyday battle and you don't want to put yourself in bad situations or, or, um, have contacts that have, you know, bad interests at at their heart for you. Um, and so I surround myself, you know, I'm I'm involved with my church, uh, um, a great deal. Tanya and I lead a life group every Monday night. We, we, uh, we get together and it's a great group of friends and, um, and I'm involved with the men's ministry and, and things like that. And, uh, I I try to speak at schools in my area about uh, the effects of drug and alcohol and also about, you know, um, setting goals and work ethic and things like that. Um, I I have a a, a few of those coming up. And then I started Spezio Baseball, um, which uh, I I call it home of champions because we got four World Series rings between me (laughs) and my dad. And uh, so I'm always poking fun at the the, uh, Cubs fans. I'll say, you know, in another 101 years – you guys can tie me and my dad, <laughs> you know, it same goes with the socks, but, uh, so I have fun with that. You know, I, I try to teach individual lessons with the parents present. Um, and I, and I talk about a lot of this stuff. Um, I talk about what it takes to get there, but also, you know, how this stuff can help you in other areas of your life. If you're not yeah. a baseball player or, you know, whatever, whatever you go into, a lot of these things can, can benefit you in life. And uh, so I, I just have a a lot of fun uh, and I'm so blessed that people bring them in. You know, I had a parent um, tell me uh, probably about four months ago, he says, you know, uh, a few years ago, I wouldn't even let my kid near you. Like there's no way I'd even step foot on your property. And he goes, and now he goes, will you talk, will you talk to him about, you know, drugs and alcohol? Cause he's going to be a freshman this year. And, uh, and he goes, and, and also if he doesn't want to talk to me, can he just show up here? And you know, if he's in trouble or can he call you? I said, absolutely. So, you know, the, the trust factor is, is so cool too, that, you know, people, people are trusting me with talking to their kids about this and, and they're open to it, you yeah. know, because they, the people remember my story here and they knew that I was straight as an arrow. And so they're like, man, if, if this can happen to him, this can happen to, you know, me or my kids. And so, um, that's why I think it's so urgent, especially with the fentanyl thing now, um, that we, we discourage kids from even trying it or anybody, um, you know, same with, you know, Adderall and, and, and Xanax and all these other pills. And, you know, now they're counterfeit and they, they're, a lot of them have fentanyl in them and, um, it it can take, you can do it one time and and you're done. and, and, so that's why it's such an urgent thing for me, and, and um, yeah, it's been it's been really cool. And and what's neat is, you know, the the Cardinals have, have called me back to do fantasy camps. Um, the Angels, you know, asked me to come out for instructional league last October. Um, they want me to play in the Hall of Fame game uh, in May. The Cardinals want me to come back in in September and do a fantasy camp. And then the the, the coolest thing of all, which I just can't even believe, is. Uh, and it chokes me up thinking about it too, uh, how far God has has taken me, um, you know, to serve him is that the Cardinals uh, asked me to come down for Christian day and share my story on June 10th. Um, And, you know, I'm going to have, I'm going to hopefully my kids will be able to be there. um, And my, of course, my parents and my sisters, and um, it'll just be such a magical moment just to, to share what god's done in my life yeah
1: man that's awesome and i think it's a testament to you prior to the issues you had right everybody that knew you before knew the kind of person you were uh what you're about and uh the fact that you're back to that person now uh such a great story of redemption and um and and you know look baseball players have a platform right you had a really big platform i think you might have a bigger platform now um you know, to, to really reach these kids. And and I can't tell you how much I appreciate as a father of a, of a sixth grader uh, girl who's in middle school and and we're having these discussions. Uh, I feel like every day it's rapid fire of something new that's coming up or changing or that she's exposed to and um, trying to get out ahead of those uh, out of those situations and scenarios and have those conversations um, and somebody like you, that's open. uh, And that's what I, respect the most about you is is the fact that it's hey i've been through this um but i'm okay talking about it and uh, and want to use it for for good for other people and and so uh i can't thank you enough for your time uh, for your honesty for being open uh and i love the fact that you're back involved uh with the cardinals and in in ways here and there and i think we're going to be seeing a lot more of you as uh, the more you get involved the more people are going to want to be around you and um so thank you for stepping in the chatter's box and uh and spending the time with us today. Uh, so, again, my name is Kyle McClellan. I'm the host of the Chatters Box. We have uh, a whole list of episodes. If you have not listened, uh, we had Whitey Herzog last month. You go back to last year, we have Albert Pujols for an hour and a half. Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, all kinds of people. You can uh, listen to the, the Chatters Box podcast on any podcast platform. You can also watch it on the Cardinals' YouTube channel, and uh, and you can see all of them in person or listen to them on any platform that you get your podcast. So, Spees, thanks again, man. Thanks for uh, being a part of this and uh, wish you the best of luck, and I know we're going to be in touch going forward.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me share my story. Love you, brother. Hope to see you soon. Appreciate it, man. Love you too, man.